Hello friends, welcome to Wednesday Wake Up, a podcast hosted by Gregory Maloof, Buddhist Dharma teacher in the lineage of Ruth Dennison, mental health therapist, and mindfulness coach. Wednesday Wake Up explores the ancient teachings of Buddhism through the lens of Western psychology, neuroscience, and the modern human potential movement. Our commitment is for these teachings to educate, challenge, and inspire you to awaken to your deepest potential to live a truly fulfilling life of wisdom, joy, and compassion. Thank you for joining us. May these teachings serve you well. All right, my friends. We have been touring a long winding road as it is, but we have been touring the five aggregates and we are down to our last two aggregates. Fabrication and consciousness. I'm not sure if we'll get to consciousness today, but it's on the list. Fabrication, we'll start off with fabrication. I wanted to make sure I didn't forget these two. <laughs> I gave enough attention to the other ones, but for two reasons. One is that fabrication and consciousness are a little bit harder to understand just conceptually. They are a bit confusing, or I have found them confusing. And I continue to find them confusing, truth be told. So I'm going to let, let <laughs> I'll try to transcend my confusion and hopefully some of yours as well. But they're, they are confusing. Realistically, uh, fabrication or formation, as it's called sometimes, is a little bit confusing. And consciousness, well, I would say both of them are confusing, not only just conceptually, but also experientially, because they are a little more subtle, right? The aggregate of form, the body, not so subtle. So not so confusing when it comes to being able to have the experience of getting in touch with that aggregate. But taking consciousness as an object, mm, that's a bit tricky. Taking consciousness as consciousness, that is not an easy feat. And fabrication, same thing. It's a process that we're taking into awareness. It's an energy. And when we start bringing subtle forms of energy or intentionality or consciousness or spaciousness as objects, when we bring those into awareness, it becomes a little bit more difficult to describe what to do and it becomes harder to pinpoint the object of meditation. So these are, these are tough concepts. So I'm just going to give you some perspectives on how to practice, what the definitions of them are, and why they're significant, particularly for enlightenment, because both fabrication and consciousness as concepts are really so directly connected to the Buddha's idea of freedom. Like they really are almost part of the definition of liberation. So I think it's important that we also understand where these concepts fit into the idea of freedom, where they fit into the idea of enlightenment, uh, because we can easily overlook them. So let's start with fabrication and see how far we get. So fabrication uh, is also called formation. So fabrications or formations. And the Pali word is sankara. Sankara. You'll hear that quite a bit if you ever go on a Goenka retreat or have been on a Goenka retreat. Uh, the primary object of meditation, uh, well, I won't say the primary object of meditation, but one of the most common things that comes out of Goenka's mouth is Sankara. <laughs> so if you've ever heard his Dharma talks, you will get to know the word Sankara. So the Pali word Sankara, and it refers to several things. First of all, so if you remember back at our other aggregates, right? Form, body, right? Form, embodied being, materiality, feelings, 
positive, negative, neutral sensations. And then we had perceptions. Perceptions are the labels that we apply to things before we put them into larger context. They are the familiar categories where we put our sense information. And then we have fabrication. So fabrication is tricky because on the one hand, fabrication is thoughts, moods, emotions, and mind states. It's all of the mental factors that are not considered perceptions. So it's this other category of mental phenomenon. If you just think of perception and fabrication as the two boxes where all the mental stuff goes, you'll be fine. That's, that's the main thing you need to know, that there are two categories of mental factors. And perceptions are basically the labels. It's kind of like the Buddha took that and made it a special aggregate. And then all the other ones, he just stuck in fabrication. So all the complex mental phenomenon of thoughts, moods, emotions, and mind states are in this category of fabrication. So that's the first thing it refers to. But fabrication also refers to the fact that moment to moment, we are taking all of these aggregates and putting them together to shape our moment to moment experience. So not only does fabrication or formation refer to these mental factors, it also refers to the act of putting them together. So you might say that it's a verb and a noun, and this can be a little confusing. So it's both an aggregate and it is a process by which all of the aggregates come together in a soup that we call present moment experience. Now another, <laughs> to make it even more complicated, another aspect of fabrication is the intentional energy that exists when we take an action, when we fabricate or co-create this momentary experience. And the Buddha refers to this sometimes as volition or intention. So the idea of fabrication is also the energy, the felt sense of energy as we begin to create a moment, a mind moment or a, an experience in the present moment. So this is why it's kind of complicated because it refers to a bunch of different things. But I'll break this apart so you can see how it works and I'll, I'll, I'll explain it in terms of meditation too to give you something to grab onto. Part of the wisdom of fabrication or formation is that very simply we are putting together our experiences. Before we add mindfulness to the mix, life feels like experience happens to us. I take a walk to the store, I get in my car, I speak a sentence to somebody, right? I go out and I feel the sun, I take a walk, I go hiking, biking, I'm listening to music. We have these experiences, but we normally don't bring mindfulness to the experiences to see clearly that there isn't an experience outside of ourselves that we come in contact with. Sense information hits us and we fabricate, we react to it and co-create what we call the experience. So this is hugely important that our experience of reality is a participatory event. We are co-creating or fabricating, formating the experience of moment-to-moment -moment living. This is hugely important because dukkha is fabricated. Suffering is a fabrication which means it can be unfabricated. So that's the huge connection to enlightenment with this term formation or fabrication. Suffering is a fabrication. So 
we learn to unfabricate the experience. If it wasn't, if suffering was a thing, something solid, permanent, outside of ourselves that just came at us and we had no ability to change how it felt when it arrived, right? If it wasn't an experience, but a thing in and of itself, we would just be suffering all the time. We couldn't change the way we breathe. We couldn't change the way we think. We wouldn't be able to change our posture. We wouldn't be able to change our moods. We wouldn't be able to do anything to change the experience. It would just be dukkha. But dukkha is actually something that exists between the world that comes at us and how we react. That moment of contact is the fabrication, is the created reality. So thank God for fabrication, because if the world wasn't like that, freedom would not be in the mix. We wouldn't be able to be free. Suffering would just be this thing. You either have it or you don't have it. And if you got it, that just sucks for you. You can't change it. You can't fabricate anything differently. So the fact that reality is participatory is what we're really getting at with fabrication, that we participate in our experience of things. Whenever I talk about fabrication, I have to always remind ourselves of a particular, I guess, belief or myth or ideology that comes up oftentimes in meditation circles. Now, I always remind people I teach from a very strongly Theravada perspective. So I'm a Theravada teacher, so I don't teach from a Mahayana perspective or a Zen perspective or other Buddhist perspective. So I have that bias. I have that bias coming in. So I teach the Eightfold Path and I teach from a primarily Theravada perspective and use primarily the Pali Suttas as my source material. That being said, oftentimes in spiritual circles, we have this idea of I create my own reality. I create my own reality. Now, there's nothing wrong with the phrase. The challenge with the phrase, if you're studying these teachings the way I'm bringing them into being, is that it's not that we create our reality. We co-create the reality. Right? It's not fully created. You don't have full control over your experience of life. And let me give you just an easy example. Like today, I walked uh, to the meditation center. I didn't create the sidewalk or the street that I was walking upon. The indentations and the bumps are created by wear and tear of weather and they're created by the cars and all kinds of other things. I didn't create the sidewalk or the path up to the gate, right? Or the cement blocks, you know, or the stairs that go down to my office. I don't, I didn't create that part of my reality. What I did fabricate was my experience of walking. My experience walking to work every morning is different depending on my mood. That experience of walking depends on how much I'm paying attention to my knee pain or if I'm tired and haven't had tea yet. My experience of the walking is fabricated. It's partly the mood. It's partly how I'm breathing. It's partly how my body is feeling. So when I say I walked to work, what I'm really saying is I had an experience of walking to work that I co-created right? My feet interacted with the pavement, my heart and mind and thinking and breathing all participated. And that recipe came out to be Wednesday's walk to work, that experience. So when we say we create our own reality, we have to be careful about using it as an absolute. The Buddha's not saying we just create all of reality. And for example, <laughs> if I pass away tomorrow, 
that sidewalk and street, I imagine, will still be there and other people can walk on it because I didn't create the street, right? The street's not created in my mind. My experience of the street is created in consciousness, not the street itself. So we don't create all of the reality. And if I'm walking to the meditation center, I'm walking to my office and a car comes by and almost hits me, right? Me jumping back and feeling a sense of fear and all of that, I didn't create the car, that's part of the part I couldn't create, but I certainly create my reaction. Maybe I get mad at the person or maybe I say, oh, maybe they're just rushing to an appointment and they're feeling nervous about something and I just say, be well. So the experience is co-created. The reality though, there is a reality from a traditional Buddhist perspective that lies beyond the fabrication. So I'm not creating it all, just my experience of my experience of it. Another reason that the word fabrication or formation is so important in the Dharma is oftentimes the Buddha describes enlightenment as an unfabricated experience. Everything on this side of the Big Bang, we're participating in. There's fabrication. There's thoughts and moods and breath and feelings and judgments and all of these different mental faculties and mind states that are arising and passing away moment to moment. So in at this side of enlightenment, if we, it doesn't have a side obviously, but for sake of language, let's presume there's a side. On this side of the threshold of awakening, everything we're experiencing is partly fabricated. All of the experiences to some degree fabricated. At stream entry, at that first taste of awakening, fabrication cease. There's no thinking, there's no, there's none of the aggregates exist in awakening, right? It's an unfabricated state. We are not creating it or co-creating it or doing anything to it or changing it because it cannot be changed. It cannot be fabricated or engaged with in that way. Since I have not experienced it, that's as much as I can tell you about that definition. But the idea to know is that when we're talking about fabrication, Fabrication is what lies on this side of that threshold of freedom. And the aggregates that are not self, when we let go of the aggregates, the letting go of all the aggregates are necessary for that experience of awakening. So we let go of our attachment to body. We let go of our feelings and our attachment to them. We let go of the clinging and the over-identification with our thoughts, our feelings, our moods. And we ultimately let go of all this fabrication that we're so attached to, and we let go of consciousness itself. And when, when that happens, then there is this, this space where awakening occurs. So that's why the word fabrication or formation and consciousness as an aggregate are so important, because they're part of the things we let go of to have the awakening experience. So part of our meditation practice is to getting to know how we cling to them, how we relate to them, how we engage with them. And as we learn how we're engaging with fabrication and consciousness and so on, then we begin to see how our engagement creates suffering. We get to really see the clinging, see the aversion. We get to witness the stress directly in awareness and we start letting go. So that's why these two terms, I think, are just really important to remember in regards to awakening. And it doesn't matter how close or far we are from awakening. It's good to plant seeds of some understanding, at least of the theory that the Buddha is talking about when, when he's talking about this ultimate goal. Again, when I talk about fabrication, I always like to 
talk about another misperception, no pun intended, uh, another misperception that we have. Oftentimes when students start to understand the aggregates, myself included, this I did this for many years, when we start to understand the aggregates, we start to say, okay, I'm fabricating this experience. I can start to see this in awareness that my reactions create my experience of living. We start to see that clearer and clearer. And we think, oh, well, the Buddha says letting go of fabrication is a requisite for enlightenment. So I'm going to just stop reacting. I'm going to try not to have any experience. I'm just going to not do anything. I'm just going to sit and, and not do. And if I just sit and not do long ago, then fabrication will stop and then I'll be awakened. Like if fabrication means participating in the world, then I'm going to do my best not to participate and I'm just going to sit still and not react. And if I just don't react and be very, very quiet, then I sort of win the game, right? And fabrication ends and then I'm awakened. So there's a, the challenge with this, with that misperception is that there are two parts of the path. The part where we cultivate factors of awakening and parts where we let go of factors of awakening. We have to cultivate positive skills and positive heart-mind qualities. We have to cultivate mindfulness. We have to cultivate investigation and curiosity. We cultivate a sense of tranquility and joy. These things are practiced in our meditation long before we let go of fabrication. And the reason they're done long before, it's because all of your actions in meditation are forms of fabrication. So you can't, you can't let go until you create the path to get to liberation. You let go at the very end. Your ultimate letting go is after you've cultivated the open heart, after you've cultivated the equanimity, after you've gotten to know the aggregates. So just keep in mind, because a lot of students go through phases where Mindfulness becomes very refined and they begin to see, wow, I'm, I can see how my thoughts are creating my mood. I can see how this contraction in my heart is leading to this grudge. So maybe if I just let go of all the reaction, everything will just be peaceful and I don't have to do anything or I don't have to engage. We have to engage for a long time before we can say, okay, I'm letting go of all this fabrication. I'm letting go of all this participation in this consciousness um, moment. So that's just something to know. And it might not be relevant to you now, but at some point it will be. So you can make a little post-it note that we must cultivate before we let go. We can't just let go <clears throat> and cease fabrication as some kind of shortcut to awakening. Like we sneak in the door of enlightenment. <laughs> we sneak in the door of enlightenment past the guards. It's like, oh, I'm just going to sneak on through without like first opening my heart and becoming, you know, more compassionate. Or I'm going to like, I don't really feel equanimous, so I'm just going to not fabricate anything and kind of sneak by without the equanimity. We have to cultivate these loving kindness, you know, factors. We have to cultivate quite a bit. And bringing this, you know, home to a singular point, the Buddha said the Eightfold Path is a path of fabrication that leads to the end of all fabrication. It is a path of participation and cultivation and experience that then trampolines us, for lack of a better word, uh, into enlightenment, which is an unfabricated experience. Sometimes you may have heard the phrase, uh, it is a thorn that is used to take out all thorns, right? The Buddha understood that we must participate 
in the spiritual journey and fabricate experiences of well-being before we let them go, before we can become truly unattached to them. So cultivation first, letting go of fabrication second. Okay, now let's be practical about this. I want to make sure I bring some practical parts to this. When we take fabrication as an object, right? When we're practicing in meditation, there are several ways we can practice meditating on it as an aggregate. So the easiest one, the easiest one and the, the clearest and largest object, I guess you could say, is just noticing again that our experience is created. Anytime you can bring mindfulness, really bring mindfulness to the experience that your present moment lived sense, the sense of being alive, is in part a reaction, that is meditating on fabrication. So the easiest way to do it is we notice, wow, I'm thinking these thoughts. Oh, wow, these thoughts are making me feel really insecure. That's a moment of fabrication. Or you wake up and you're feeling really tired and that tiredness arises and you're like, oh man, I'm really sleepy. You just reacted to the tiredness, which created a sense of aversion. That moment, fabrication. We might be living in our day and we're walking, you know, going to work or something, and maybe we're feeling stressed, right? We have a project due or someone, we have someone that we're working with that is stressing us out or circumstance. And we're feeling really stressed and that stress begins to contract the body. And as the day goes on, we're feeling kind of achy and stiff and we just like, oh man, this doesn't feel so good fabrication, right? The lived experience. And so the biggest object is noticing how thoughts trigger emotions, how emotions trigger more feelings. Do you ever have, I have this experience quite frequently, which is I'll start thinking about something. I might be in a perfectly good mood and then I'm thinking about something and then that leads down a rabbit hole and it starts creating a feeling. And maybe let's just say the feeling is like some kind of agitation, like I'm, I'm criticizing something or someone in my head. And then the next thing you know, I'm just in a sour mood. That was fabricated, right? I took that thought train and I went with it, right? I just got into like venting and criticizing and that's a fabrication of an emotion. And then that emotion suddenly frames, like I go home in that mood and then my wife asks me something and I'm snippy and I'm like, I'm agitated. I just got home from work. Fabrication right? So that causal chain of moment-to-moment -moment reactivities are the easiest place to notice in this moment, what does the mind state consist of? What does the heart state consist of? What thoughts, what feelings, what moods, what breathing is occurring in this moment? You can just ask yourself in this moment, what is my lived experience? What are the component parts? That is meditation on fabrication. As mindfulness gets stronger, meaning as your samadhi gets clearer, it's so much easier to watch that fabricated process happen moment to moment. And before you know it, you'll just be watching it. You really can see it. All you'll need to do is just remind yourself to pay attention and you'll be able to see moment to moment how things are changing. Another one that we do all the time, but we're sometimes not aware of when you start your meditation and you start breathing and you start breathing mindfulness when you start being <laughs> when you start breathing mindfulness I guess you do breathe mindfulness but when you start being mindful of breathing 
and you start to notice the body relaxing. Those first few moments where you've just started your sit, you're about five minutes in, you've taken some deep breaths, the mind starts to settle, and all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, okay, now I'm meditating, I'm in that space. Fabrication. You've just fabricated a mindful moment that has a sense of well-being and equanimity. So as you're moving into those first few moments of meditation, watch how bringing mindfulness to an object, how breathing intentionally, relaxing into body, creates a sense, a felt sense of living. That process is fabrication. So at any point in meditation, when meditation turns in one way or another, if suddenly you're feeling calm in meditation and all of a sudden a hindrance arises, oh, okay, how are you going to react? How are you going to fabricate the next mind moment? Are you going to accept that the mind is wandering away? Are you going to go to war with the mind? Are you going to feel bad about yourself? What is the response that's going to create your next experience of reality? That's how we work with fabrication. It's a little obvious when you look at that part of it. Now we're going to go deeper. This is going to be not so, this is not, this part is not so obvious. As I said earlier, part of the reason fabrication is a little more complicated than the other aggregates is that there's this other footnote to it. Fabrication also refers to our intentional energy. And I really do mean, most of the time when I'm using the word energy, I'm kind of using it almost metaphorically or... Yeah, I guess metaphorically, in this, in this context, I'm kind of speaking literally, that there is an energetic sense in the body that precedes every action right as the action is happening. And that energy, that volition, is a part of the fabricated experience. And the Buddha encourages us to be awake and aware to intention. So I'll give you some examples and then it will be easier uh, to understand. But I would, I would invite you to think of intention is the energetic impulse that occurs right before you think a thought, feel a feeling, reach out for a cup of tea uh, or something like that, that energy right before. And so the way you can actually get in touch with this feeling of fabrication is to delay an action. This is a great meditation practice. If you've never done this before, <laughs> well, it can be annoying and agitating, but if you can get past that part, it can be really fun. So here's the meditation. What you're gonna do is you're going to plan to do an action. So for example, you can do it with me here. In a few moments, I'm gonna ask you to raise one of your hands up. Right? In a few moments, you are going to intend to raise your hand up, just like this. You're just going to raise it up. Now, in the meantime, you're not going to do that. But in a moment, I'm going to say, please raise your hand. And when I say that, you are going to intend to do it and do that. Now, what I'm going to invite you to do for a moment is just be awake and aware to how your hand feels and how the energy in your body feels. And then what I want you to do, when I make the request for you to raise your hand, notice the energetic impulse that arises simultaneously with the movement. With mindfulness, you'll catch it. It, it happens a nanosecond before you raise your hand. 
there has to be an energetic intention to do so. And with mindfulness, you can notice it. So let's just be here for 10, 15 seconds, feeling your body. And in a moment, I'm going to make the request and just notice the energy that occurs when you do it. Please raise your hand. Now, it can be done in a different way. If you're doing uh, any kind of walking meditation, another way you can do this just in your living room is that you just stand up. And what you're going to do is you're just going to take a step forward. And you're going to wait a few moments and really feel into the body. And then when you're ready, you take a step. And as you take that step, you be awake and aware to the energy, that impulse to do something. Because we can't do anything without some kind of intentional energy. And that fabrication rides on this intentional energy. So part of understanding fabrication is noticing the impulse, that actual vibration that occurs, that will we have to do something. And with practice, you can notice it. So for example, as the mind gets quieter in mindfulness practice, your mind's gonna get pretty clear. There's gonna be a point where there aren't gonna be any thoughts. You're not gonna really feel much of mood or emotions. There's just gonna be a sense of ease, which I guess is a mood, I mean, technically. But there's gonna be a quiet in the mind and a quiet in the heart. And if you really notice and we can come clear with samadhi and that clarity of mindfulness, all of a sudden a thought will arise. All of a sudden a mood shifts. And if you're resting in that clarity of mindfulness, you'll notice that right before it arises, there's a subtle shift in energy in the body that says thought coming. Yeah, <laughs> for those of you in Portland, Oregon, the max train, right? Like you'll be driving along and all of a sudden the bell and then you look over and you see that the, the guard gate is coming and the train is coming, right? Volitional intention is that bell that goes off and says, here comes the action. But it, it's not as loud as the bell for a train, right? It's really subtle. So we have to practice witnessing and looking for that little energy that does that. And you can do this meditation just by sitting, like I said, and you can practice by raising your hand or reaching for a cup of coffee. You can sit down at your, wherever you're sitting, have a cup of tea, and every so often before you reach to take another drink, calm the mind, be with the body, and then reach out for the drink and watch what happens energetically. That's fabrication. That's fabrication. The reason we meditate on it is not just so we can brag that we can be mindful of subtle energies. It's not like we're gonna brag on Twitter that I was awake and aware to the energy of grabbing a cup of tea this morning. We're doing it because the intention precedes the action and our intention is imbued with goodwill or our intention is imbued with anger, hatred and delusion. And if we can notice the impulse before the action, we can act more skillfully. If we can catch it, right at the impulse before it manifests into something harmful to ourselves or others, then we catch it way early on. So that's why we're doing this. We're doing this so we can decrease harm in ourselves and others. 
and also just because it's fun to be aware of energy. But that's just secondary. I'll just uh, retell a story. I was reading, it was yesterday or the day before, I was reading through um, Joseph Goldstein's Mindfulness, A Practical Guide to Awakening. And uh, he was talking about, I think, I can't, I'm not going to say where he was, but where he, when he was in his training, it was in Asia, but when he was doing his training, he did an experiment one day that I thought was so cool. He stood on one side of a road and got in touch with being in the body and then watched the intention of walking across the road, right? Just that intention of walking. And he said he had some amazing experiences in fabrication and just focusing not on the walking itself, but the impulse, the impulse to move, right? The impulse of each foot to arise and touch down. I thought that was cool. I've never tried that before. I should, I do walk a lot. So maybe next time I cross the street, I will await the light. And then when it turns white for the crosswalk, I'll notice that intention as my foot takes that first step. That might be a fun, a fun meditation. All right, my friends, I think we'll stop there because I don't want to jump into consciousness because consciousness is its own thing. So thank you for your kind attention on fabrication as an aggregate. For those who would like to stay for two, three minutes, we'll just do some closing meta. Let's take some long, slow, deep breaths. And as we breathe, let's notice how it changes the feeling of the body. Notice the intention to breathe before the breath and how the experience of this present moment changes as we bring mindfulness to breathing. With this wakefulness of embodied being, with this awareness of breath energy moving in and moving out, let's notice what happens in this breathing body when we thank ourselves for the practice of this evening. Reminding ourselves of the intention to be here our intention to practice together tonight and the benefit that that practice has brought us. And we remind ourselves that while grateful for the transformation and the healing, the love and the joy brought on by our meditation, and a life lived in Dharma, in Sangha. Our highest aspiration is for this healing, this love and compassion and well-being to be a source of refuge for all beings. That our healing and our awakening be a source of healing for others.
May all beings share in the merits of our practice. May all beings know true freedom, true love and true kindness in this very lifetime. Again, we hold this body in gentle awareness and sweet compassion. And let's conclude tonight by answering this question. If I could wish anything for all beings and know it would come to pass, what would it be? Wish that for all beings with each breath. Thank you, my friends, for helping me fabricate this experience of Wednesday Wake Up. Appreciate it. Have a good night. I'll see you next week. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for joining us here at Wednesday Wake Up. We honor the traditional Buddhist practice of offering the teachings without charge. So this podcast will always be ad-free and will never be behind a paywall. This podcast is sustained exclusively by the generosity of listeners. If you've received value from this podcast and have found your life or practice enriched by listening to it, you can support Gregory as a teacher by going to our website, www.wednesdaywakeup.com, and click on Donate at the menu on the top. While you're here at the website, join our mailing list and follow Gregory on Instagram at Gregory Maloof Dharma. Thank you again for listening. May all beings be happy.